Let me be your hero. We have a lot of songs with the word hero in the title and the chorus. Would you dance? Right here, Rowdy. It's a little softer side of Over the Line right now. This would be Enrique Iglesias. His, God, when did this song come out? Would you cry? Middle 2000s hit, Hero. But today, we are changing the title to Hero. 2001, excuse me. That's when this song came out. I can be your Hero baby, is what Enrique Iglesias meant to say when he released this gigantic hit in the year of 2001. 2001, Rowdy. What a time to be alive. Kesson Hero was born in 1996. So Hero would have been jamming this song saying, Why can't it be I can be your Hero baby instead of Hero? As Kesson Hero is the star of the show in the 11th inning last night, or yesterday afternoon. As he hits the video board. Walk off the first walk off win for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. Colton Wong, despite <laughs> air mailing it over Kessinier's head, which I thought that would have cost the Brewers the game. No, no, Wong said this is the first time it felt like a complete team victory. Well, I mean, they had to come back like three different times. Yeah. Now, had they not made mistakes and had they done some things a little differently, they'd only have to come back one time. <laughs> but the they, came back, they came back three times, got it done. Obviously, the walk-off with Keston Hira and a series win with the Braves. This is for you, Keston Hira. This is for you, baby. Uh. I can be your hero, baby. I can hit away the pain, Rowdy, not kiss. I can kiss away, hit away the pain as the Brewers take it over the Braves, man. We could do this forever. Stand by you forever, Keston Hira. You take our breaths away, dude. Now, that song reminds me of their middle school dances right there. I know that you're a little younger than I, Rowdy. That was when uh, the middle school dance where you, where you had your, your hands way above the hips of the wee lass that you were dancing with, and she had her hands, like, on your shoulders, and it was probably about two feet between you, your fingertips barely touching. You kept a little room for the Holy Ghost. Between the both of you. Uh, Keston Hira, though, Rowdy. Believe it or not, this dude was sick. He didn't have COVID. No, no. Apparently, the flu had been going around the Nashville Sounds. And Keston Hira was saying that he was still battling a little bit of the illness. I wanted to play some clips from Keston Yeah, speaking of the Nashville Sounds having the flu going around, I mean, I believe that, especially because... Someone got scratched. Yeah, one of the their top pros- pitching's prospects, and Ethan Small, who's been having a hell of a season so far in AAA, he was scratched from his start in Nashville with an illness. Yeah, the flu. And they believe non- it's the flu. Non-COVID illness. Uh, Keston Hira talks on him being on his deathbed Tuesday night and then being the hero... Like Wednesday afternoon. Like Enrique Iglesias, Rowdy. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. That's been quite a few days down Nashville. I got a little sick. And last year, yesterday, but flu was kind of going around down there. And so last night, I was kind of on my deathbed a little bit. So, you know, I was just happy to get out there and you know, help a team and be able to, to contribute. So, <laughs> and what is he going to do after hitting that walk-off? How will Keston here celebrate? He did get that Gatorade bath. But how will he celebrate once he's uh, out of the ballpark? Oh, I mean, I feel fine. I can't wait for some uh, sleep, that's for sure. Like, toss and turn a little bit last night, but uh, uh, but no, definitely uh, feels good, uh, especially going off to especially against a team like the Braves and, um, you know, being back, you know, obviously with the team as well. You know, it feels good to, to kind of do that. He's going to sleep. I mean, he does kind of sound a little stuffed up or know, a little, little sick there. He didn't but, sound good. So there's this is one thing I was thinking of. When Kesson here came up and I told you he had an opportunity earlier in the game to put plate some runs for the Milwaukee Brewers in a timely situation struck out, Mm -hmm. then came up for the second time, obviously hits the walk off home run. Is it just me? But when Keston here comes up in a big moment, I actually feel decently good. I know. I know he has struggled overall in the, in the eyes of a lot of people just because he was one of the, he was a first round draft pick. He was a top prospect at one of the times he busted on the scene in 2019. 
struggled somewhat in 2020 and then was God awful in 2021. But doesn't it seem like Keston here more than not actually does come up with big hits? No, you're totally right. For, for a guy that really hasn't done a ton in his career, when people, feel it. when people want more from him, I feel like he's had a lot of big hits in games. You can feel it, Rowdy. Now, it's, um, it's not like they're huge games like a playoff no. game, but just regular season games when they have situations like that. Keston here actually does seem to come through a decent amount. I could feel it. When he was up the bat, I could feel you could. There's sometimes you can feel it in the air. And here's the difference. Christian Yelich, I used to feel like that. When Christian Yelich was up the bat, now, now Yelly did. <laughs> now you're just have, hoping for a base hit there Yelly to keep did, the inning rolling. He did have, Yelly did have a clutch hit in the later innings of that game there in the extras to keep things alive. But when, when Yelly's up, I don't feel that anymore. When Yelly's up, I'm like, oh, God, how, how am I going to be frustrated and sick to my stomach watching him strike out this time? Yeah, what, you haven't felt it since the kneecap injury. Yeah, when, and you're totally right. When Keston Hira, albeit limited appearances, but when he is up, I do feel that sense that something big is going to happen. Because he, he we're, I would love to see this. T- I wish we had like a real in-depth research department. We, like, do, uh, we have a great research department. Like more of like that one that's closer to the Brewers so they can get these statistics way easier. But like, how many times has Keston Hira actually walked off? Are you saying that we need game? Sophia Minert on our payroll, the, the research department's payroll? Well, already? I just need someone that's going to ask, ask actual questions <laughs> or look up actual stats. Well, how about this for Hira? Uh, well, well, let's ask the man himself, Rowdy, or hear from the man himself. So Hira was up to bat, and he said he was not looking to hit a home run. But he was, as the game progressed, feeling more comfortable at the plate. As the game went on, uh, at bats got better, and you know, I think there was some opportunities where you know I kind of missed out on. So I just wanted to, honestly, I just want to get the runner over, get Peterson over to, to third base, and uh, find a way to near extend the game. So he wasn't looking for the home run route. He was just looking to, you know, get comfortable as the game progressed, as he said, and just find a way to make contact with the ball. But that's the thing with Keston here. Normally, when he hits the ball pretty square that ball seems to just jump off his bat. And when he hit that one, you knew it, you knew it was gone. And not only was it gone, it was way up there off the well, uh, back of the, how the scoreboard. The at bat before that, was it, was it Kenley? Jan- was it Kenley that Jansen that was pl- pitching to him? Like he hit a ball. It sounded really nice, but then it just was like a blooper to the outfield. But I think that wasn't whatever. Kesson hero was the, uh, was the hero yesterday. And one more from here before we get to the phones. And he says, I like what the King says here on Twitch. Move over Michael Jordan flu game. It is now the Keston Hira flu game being the best. Here is Keston on uh, the flu getting them. Yeah, I was feeling feeling great. (laughs) I mean, you kind of, I guess, hear the voice a little bit, but no, the flu got me. Flu got me. Negative on the COVID, but flu got me. (laughs) I like how he's got to like, negative on the COVID. Let's not freak out. I had the flu. Uh, let's go to the. Let's go. To the, I thought the flu was eradicated for a bit. No, it's, it's, it's rearing its ugly head again. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Hey ho, Corey. Corey and Marshall. What's up, my brother? What's going on? Well, I got to put my hand up. I was in the same uh, mode as Ben Kenny yesterday, so I was. Uh, no, you were the, a casting here at Downer. You're I a Downer. Yep, I was on the train to Negative Town. Oh, so I got to take a call on that. I was like thinking to myself, this guy is a bleeping four A player. I see the same ish. Every time he comes back up, because they were talking on the radio, like he was ripping the cover off the ball down in Nashville. He was like three homers and like a gazillion runs batted He's in. Killing blah, it. Blah, blah. I'm like, uh, Corey. I'm like, Corey. yeah, I've heard the same song and dance before. It's my cynical. You cynical can't fall part. into the, the negative cycle. It hopes springs eternal, my friend. It's tough, though, when it comes to the Brewers. I'm going to be honest. Actually, that's yeah, a good point. And Kesson here is not a guy tough. that you can give up on just yet, especially with the rule change, with the NL having a, a DH. Because that's, that's his best That's his best position. So you guys brought up a good point before. My concern is that they keep rotating guys in and out because I don't know why CC, the legend of Milwaukee, wants to always tinker <laughs> with his lineup instead of just like saying, okay, this – lineup works let's just stay with this lineup he's always got a puddle bleep around with it and see what see what else i can do to make it look like i'm doing something here as a manager instead of just what like was, was here letting it do it. tuesday after the nashville game or was it before the game on tuesday well, the, the thing like with keston here is even when people want to throw dirt on him I mean, uh, Keston, Keston here is still 25 years old. Corey, check like, this out. That's true. Like, he, he's oh, at every single level he's ever played at, he's always been very young for that level. Like, in theory, you're not even super worried about Keston here uh, 
unless it's like two, three years from now, and you're like, okay, now okay. he's starting to get old. But he, he's just that say. young. Yeah, Corey, and check so this out. Like he was the player of yeah. the week last week for the Nashville Sounds. He hit 467, nine RBIs, seven of 15, three runs, three home runs, and two walks. They had, they had influenza, gave him like superhuman powers or something down there. It was like influenza. <laughs> hey, you've seen the movie Spider Man like with, to- with Toby. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets bit by the spider, and what happens to him? He gets really sick for a, a, you know the beginning of the movie. And then he wakes up the next day, and all of a sudden he's superhuman. That's could, that could be Kesson. Maybe Kesson here got bit by a spider. Well, I feel like everyone is like, oh, Kesson here. It feels like he's been here forever. And, and, you know, outside of that one season, he hasn't done anything. It's like he was 22 when he surfaced in 2019. Well, I think they really, and this is just my opinion, they really effed him over by, and I, I don't know if I can say that or not, but like when they brought Travis Shaw back up. Because oh, totally. They felt bad about having Shaw. I'm like, this dude right here is like ripping the cover off the ball. Why are you sending him back down to Triple A? Why are you putting this dude that like I don't remember at the time like well here, John hadn't done much. And I'm like, why? What are you doing here? L- listen to this. You know? Nelson yeah. over here, Rowdy over here, single handedly brought Kesson back to the majors. That's the we went yeah. to a Brewer game. We went to the Brewer game that day, and I brought a sign putting Stearns on notice. And I had a lot of people a, with dirty looks on me and basically saying, "Call Kesson here back up." They did it later that yeah, night. He said, "Stearns I on like notice." It. Stearns on notice on the signs. Bring Kesson here back. And what happened on the bus ride home, Rowdy? Kesson here was called well, back up. And, and another thing, with, was another thing with here and his progression. This is a guy that played less than two years. Years of minor league baseball before he reached major leagues just because wow. he he just excelled through the basically the because in the minor leagues you don't start getting like a uh you don't have to play a position until you start getting closer to the big leagues right. so they mm-hmm. were just dh'ing him because he still had the sore elbow and he right. was crushing the baseball at the low a level at the high a level then jumped to double a crushed it and then all of a sudden makes that jump to uh, major leagues. And it was literally like a two-year progression from being drafted to, hey, he's balling in 2019. Was there going to be room for regression? Of course. Now, did they find like a some holes in his swing where if you go up and in on him, he struggles a little bit. And then if you throw down and away with like some junk, he'll wave at it from time to time. Yes. Can he clean that up? Yeah. Will there always be holes? Probably. But, I mean, when he gets hot, he gets hot as anyone. Love I'd it. say any batter, though, would you figure has holes in their swing unless they're like Mickey Mantle or something like that? <laughs> like, everybody's got a hole in their swing, especially nowadays. Ted Williams. Because these guys are just looking to launch it over the wall yeah. most of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I had the same feeling yesterday, even when I let you guys get going. When Yelich was up, I'm like, well, here we go with the ground out, the first base. And then he gets the single to the outfield and... Okay, can we can we agree on this? When Christian Yelich comes up to bat, there's going to be one of three things happen. He's going to hit the hell out of the ball, and it's going to be a rocket, or he's going to strike out, or it's going to be the weakest dribbler, like little league ground ball to the right side of the infield. And more times than not, it's going to be the dribbler or the strikeout. Kind of like the major league, you sure hit the hell out of that one into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this, it's like uh, Willie Mays Hayes. You got to drop. Yep, correct. You got to every time He's you right. hit a weak little dribbler, you got to give me push-ups. <laughs> and uh, one last thing, when he got uh, Robbie on at eight twenty, ask him if he'd rather be going into the season with a quarterback that's going to possibly get you, you know, twelve, thirteen wins with an awesome defense, or a quarterback that was going to get you seven or eight with the same awesome defense. You, I will we'll ask just that, Corey. <laughs> See you, buddy. Take it easy, guys. See you, my man. Have a good day. You too. Uh, Corey was on to something right there, Rowdy. Maybe the influenza, the flu gave him superhuman powers, hence the home run while I was still battling it. And I thought of that. Spider-Man, Toby Maguire, a.k.a. Peter Parker, gets bit by the spider when he's out with, you know, time to take pictures of Mary Jane on that field trip. He gets really sick, then wakes up the next morning. And you all still of a sudden, think he's that a Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man. Yeah. See, I never really got. I watched that's like my, that's like that's like my ch- childhood growing up watching them. It's my impressionable middle school years. Uh, I'm trying to think. Was it Andrew Garfield? Yeah, was this? I, I couldn't even get into those movies. The uh, what's the Holland? Is it? Tom, I mean, even, I, I only watched Tom, the first Tom one. Holland. Yeah. He's okay. It's Toby. But I I I'm with you. I think it's Toby. It's Toby. Still but be. also, that was the first ones where I was. I think I was in late elementary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love them. And by the way, we're talking about this all comes together right here, my friends. This song right here, 
by the lead singer of Nickelback, Chad Kroger. It's called Hero with Josie Scott. Guess what soundtrack this song is on? Spider-Man. Correct. The Amazing Spider-Man. No, no, the first, the first one of Tobey <laughs> Maguire. This is on the Spider-Man soundtrack. And also Keston Hira, the hero, the hero of the game yesterday. It all comes together, Rowdy. I put together a little something-something for our return of Keston Hira. Now, Hira, we always like to play off his name. Hira, Hero, as he was the hero yesterday afternoon for the Milwaukee Brewers. In fact, I'm just going to play what I made this morning. It, it, it came to me. I was driving into work, and I was like, I got to get the radio call, and I got to find a song for our guy, Keston Hira, that has the word hero in it. So, friends, the Brewers win the series over the Atlanta Braves with a 7-6 to dramatic 11th inning victory with Keston Hira going yabo, hitting the scoreboard. Take a listen. Chavez with the advantage in the count of ball and two strikes. We're in the 11th, 6-5 Atlanta. One-two pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Feels good. Rowdy's Feels weird today, doesn't it? Not with the Keston Hero news, but the fact that they have a day off. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm jonesing for more Brewers baseball now. I got the itch. And the only prescription, the only cure, Rowdy, is more Brewers ball. Oh, we got a question here from our guy, uh, Bookhound, on Twitch. And it's something we did talk about a little earlier, I think, in the 6 o'clock hour. So let's bring it up again um, and dive a little more in before we get to Rob Reichel coming up here at 820 Talks and Packers. Uh, Bookhound says, Hira is fun to chat about. Where does he go if Rowdy Telez is at first? Will Hira yo-yo some more? Bat good, then stink, repeat? Will he remain a Brewers one or uh, will he remain a Brewer one or two years from now? We've talked about this a little bit, and now that there's the universal DH in the league, I mean that might bode well for Keston Hira, but does it? I mean, first base is taken by Rowdy Telez. They tried to experiment with the Hira, right? And Hira's not really a first baseman yeah, by trade. He- like, to be completely honest, the best profile for where Keston Hero would play is probably left field. <laughs> There's a really expensive individual out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't but, do what Hero does. Well, right people, now. people be, oh, why would you say left field? Because if you knew about Keston Hero back in the day when he was playing college baseball, he was a center fielder. The only reason why he moved to second base is because he started having elbow troubles. Because remember, he was getting those like uh, therapeutic shots and stuff into his elbow. Yeah. Well, that started when he was in college because he was so good at hitting the baseball. They didn't want to have him go and have like a Tommy John surgery for being like a an outfielder because that's that's pretty unheard of for like a, a guy that's playing in the field to have a Tommy John. Very few yeah. people have ever had that. Yeah, but. That's why they moved him from center field to second base. And then when the elbow continued to get worse and worse, they used him at DH. And then the Brewers go, well, Hmm. we're going to take a shot on this guy. He's the best by pretty much every single scout. He's the best major league ready bat in this league. Yeah, he doesn't really have a position, but we'll figure that out. Plus, there were already scuttlebutts that back then that there could be a universal DH in the future because if you remember that um, MLB collective bargaining was getting closer and closer. Yep. Now, second base, that was an adventure. (laughs) First base. that. That was an adventure. Well, okay. If you look at his profile, the guy's 5'10", and the arm is... He had the shot and it ended up working, but the arm, you're never going to confuse that arm for a, for a gun. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, it makes sense. He might play second base, but then there were some struggles, especially defensively making throws. 
Then you look at uh, first base. He's 5'10". <laughs> yeah, normally, Cole Long thought he was 6'5 yesterday. Yeah, normally you like a guy that's that's taller, longer limbed, easier to stretch, easier to go get balls. You have a, a bigger range. Normally, like when they talk about receivers that have like crazy uh, wingspans and ranges to catch a football, where you're like, if you throw it within 25 feet of this guy, he can, he can make a play. Yeah. yeah, those are the A.J. Green type guys that are like 6'4", <laughs> six, 6'5". Six, not the 5'10", Keston yeah, Hira. Not 5'10", Hira. With like, a wingspan that's probably like you're never, nothing. You're never going to ever confuse like A.J. Green's like ability to go find a football versus Randall Cobb's. <laughs> yeah, correct. Or you're, not, you're never going to confuse a six four Rowdy Telez with a five ten Kessinira unless you're Colton Wong yesterday was screaming it over his head. Like it's just unfortunately his body says you're really not a first baseman. <laughs> but <laughs> why I say why you say he profiles to to left field is because that's where normally your weakest uh, throwing arm is. Because normally center fielder is your best outfielder. Like he's got the most range. He's got yeah. your he's your best. Right field's got your best arm because when you're trying to throw from uh, right, you know, I like you the, stuck the booger eater out in right field. Well, maybe in little league when the <laughs> fence is 200 Not the feet. majors, <laughs> but in the majors, you stick, you stick your best arm usually in right field yeah. because if you got one that goes down into the wall, you got to throw all the way to third base, <laughs> like, like left. And then left fielder is obviously your weakest arm because when they throw it in normally when making plays on, on guys running the bases, they're throwing it to what? third base or home, it's a lot closer. Yeah. Keston here profiles <laughs> to be a left fielder. I mean, he was originally an outfielder. It's not like he's going to be some Carlos Gomez stud or some Lorenzo Cain gold glove stud out there, but he was by trade an outfielder and would have at least an arm good enough to play left field, but he's not going to on this team with Christian Yelich. No, he now pro- profiles essentially as a DH. He's when they signed Colton Wong, his days of playing second base were done. Done. Now that they have Rowdy Telez, who seems like he's starting to come into his own. I mean, we'll see where he's at by the middle of the season, but you would say since they acquired him last year, he's been there for close to one full season and he's been pretty good. He's been, he's, nice. he's been at least solid. He's been nice. It's basically a DH. Now this is what I was thinking here. Oh, here we go. You Hit look at the outfield. You're not moves. You're not moving Renfro. He's been your best outfielder by far this season. You're not moving Yelich just basically with the sign of the contract. Then you have Tyrone Taylor, who in my opinion should be starting in center field. You have Lorenzo Cain, a guy that's on his last year deal. Looks like he's just buying his time to retire. And then you have Andrew McCutcheon, who looks to be coming off the COVID list, probably for the weekend series with the nationals. Yep. He was activated. What Wednesday, yesterday or Tuesday. If, you, if you're going to stick with Kesson here on this Where's roster, that? what are your thoughts of, potentially moving Andrew McCutcheon back into center field and rotating maybe him, him and Tyrone Taylor in center field where you say, Hey, I know we got you for DH, but you think every well, now and then you can play a little center field just because Lorenzo Kane has been he's so done. He's done so bad with the bat. He's done. Oh, I'm glad you bring that up. Our guy, J.A. Krebs, one of our awesome, very handsome listeners. Jordan says the Brewers best lineup would be Keston at DH Kutch at center and Lorenzo Kane not on the team. Uh, but that's the thing. Unfortunately, I mean, the Brewers, just, yeah, you're not wrong. They signed an extent. They signed that deal with uh, Lorenzo Kane for five years. And basically they got two years worth of Lorenzo Kane. Mm-hmm. Now, 2018 would have been real nice if that would have led to a world series, which they were very close to doing. Yeah. But yeah, they signed that long-term deal knowing that they were signing a defensive center fielder. And he's going to be pretty old by the end of that deal, which he is. And that's then, a bummer, man, because I was a big low king guy. Not sitting like, out, sitting, sitting out. Twenty twenty, he lost all his fire and he lost his legs. And that was well, that his, was the whole thing. Like, well, he's still trying to find his legs. Still that to find that his was legs. his choice. And now it it stinks because it looks like a guy that yeah, he was a great player, team leader, but now it's just like he looks like he's holding on for that last. Because it is a big chip paycheck, seventeen million dollars. That's hey, second I, highest paid listen, guy on the team. I would come back and just toil away for seventeen million dollars. That sounds nice. That's good action if you can get it. But yes, I think ideally you would have a rotation in center field being Tyrone Taylor, Andrew McCutcheon. With if because. 
because Keston here needs his at bats. He, he's not he a guy, to. and he mentioned this in interviews. He's not a guy, and, and most people aren't that can sit there and get an at bat one out of every three five days. Yeah, like you, especially because when you they made that cuts. when they made that um, announcement. I go, well, Keston here has got to be in the lineup today. Because normally when you call someone up from the minors, you want to get their bat in the lineup. You want to keep them hitting. Because he was hot for the Nashville Sounds, man. He was hot. Now they have a day off. We'll see what happens when Andrew McCutcheon gets reinstated because it sounded like it would be this weekend, but what their roster move would be. But, yeah, yeah if, if you're going to bring Keston Hero up and play him at DH, he's got to get consistent at bats. He can't just go back to getting it at bat here and there every two to three days. Hero and there, uh, Rowdy. <laughs> All right, got to get to the Green Bay Packers. They made it official yesterday. Jair Alexander signing on the dotted line, getting dapped up by Matt LeFleur, Brian Gutekunst, also dapped up from Joe Barry, the D.C. Rowdy, this Packers defense is going to be too legit to quit. My God. I was... um. Diving in a little bit about the Green Bay Packers and that defense and how Brian Gutekunst has been shoring that thing up. A lot of people pretty upset at first when they didn't take a wide receiver in the first round. Well, the Packers had found a lot of value, right, later on in the draft when it comes to wide receivers. Oh, what did you uh, remind me again? What did you think of their first two draft picks in the first round for the Green and Gold? I like both of them. One, I didn't think Devontae Wyatt. Now, he was the second pick of the first round. I didn't think he'd even be there, maybe even by their first pick. So I think there was tremendous value in in that pick, especially if he can come in and play to the level that most scouts think he can play at. And then Quay Walker, that's another guy where, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have another big, fast linebacker right there with Devondre Campbell. I mean, if you, when you think about it, when you have Devondre Campbell being your one, if he can duplicate what he did last season, you have Quay Walker come in and learn from Devondre Campbell and just be the athlete that he is and be another solid linebacker. You now have Chris Barnes being your third inside linebacker. Yeah. I mean, Chris Barnes now is Chris Barnes a great player? No, he's never going to be confused for an all pro but Chris, a nice body there. Chris Barnes is like a serviceable player. If you have to throw him out there, he's all of a sudden now you're three. Yeah. So look at this Packers defense, man. So well, there's people tweeting and and it's not just Packer fans. There are people in the national media hyping up this defense, talking about how they think not only could this be a top five, top 10, but maybe even the best defense in the league. Yeah. And think about that for a second. The best defense in the league. When have the Packers ever had that paired with an Aaron Rodgers? Crazy. It's always been that offense being the best in the league and the defense would just get absolutely annihilated in the playoffs. Well, yeah. And even the year that they won the Super Bowl, it was like that defense was a ball hawking defense. It wasn't necessarily like a a shut you down. Yeah. It wasn't like a shut you down. You're scoring 10 points today type of defense. Yep. It was a it was a defense that barely got into the top ten, and mostly just because of how opportunistic they were. Yeah, we'll get more into this defense coming up here. Brian Gutekunst did say about you know the official signing of Jair yesterday. "Quote: We're very excited to be able to come to an agreement that keeps Jair in Green Bay. He has consistently performed at a high level during his time in the Packers or with the Packers, excuse me, and we look forward to his continued growth as both a player and a leader for this team." So uh, last year, Rowdy. Obviously, the shoulder injury from Jair Alexander keeping him out. They never put him on the IR, though, remember? It was always, hey, we're going to keep him active in the hopes that he comes back. Does- and he did come back for the playoff game, but he did not He did not look 100%. Like, there were times in that game where San Francisco was running the football, and they ran it right at Jair Alexander, and he came up to make the tackle and totally turned away from that injured shoulder. And a couple yeah. times, it actually cost him a tackle. And it actually hurt the Packers. Now, the defense was not a problem in that game. I mean, the the Niners, I hate to bring up bad memories, but they won 13 to 10. And a touchdown, seven of those points was because of the special teams, not the Yeah, I mean, it didn't cost them the game, obviously. But you can tell tell Jair. He didn't want to tackle anyone. And normally Jair Alexander is a fiery corner that's going to help in run support. He was doing everything he could to to, uh, shield that shoulder. Yeah, definitely. So the Packers will get and dive more into their defense because, by God, this defense is going to be absolutely wild. Let's go to the phones quick. Wisco Chad, is that you? Who is this? Good morning, gentlemen. What's up, my brother? How are we living? We are living great. That's a great addition, sign, additional signing to save some space to bring in a wide receiver. Oh, 
with the wide receiver. Do you have one on like uh, a one you want? There's a couple floating out there still. I I have a feeling that they're going to go into the season and wait for something. Like you wouldn't want like a Julio or an Odell or a well, I don't know if they could afford a Jarvis Landry or you know insert name here, anyone like that. I thought Landry signed. Oh, did he? So, yeah, so cross him off the list then. <laughs> this one's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. 11, yeah, the Saints. Cross him yeah. off the list then. So I I, I don't know. I, I, so I know two things by this, right? So you have to have a physical to sign a new contract. That shoulder's good. Yep. So that that's a good thing. He didn't have to have surgery and that shoulder's good. That's and I saw huge. him shaking the hand of LaFleur and... Joe Barry so, with that arm, so I think he'll be fine. <laughs> the shoulder's okay. Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's a great thing. He didn't have to actually have surgery. The shoulder's healed. Healed enough for them to sign the biggest contract in cornerback history. 84 million. Uh, how about this? We were talking about the Packers' defense as Jair Alexander made it official yesterday with the Packers, inking up that $84 million four-year extension, the highest-paid defense back in the NFL. And then we talked also about how the Packers used their two first-round draft picks, number 22 and number 28, on defensive players and linebacker Quay Walker and the defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. Also, don't forget, they brought in the veteran defensive tackle that is Jaron Reed on a one-year $3.25 million deal, paired up with Kenny Clark there. They signed cornerback Rasul Douglas, who had a hell of a season for the Packers last year to a three-year $21 million deal. Inside of that defense, they have their linebacker, Devondre Campbell, who was an absolute monster for the Packers. He was a street-free agent when Brian Gutekunst picked him up, a five-year $50 million deal. Preston Smith was signed to a four-year $52.5 million contract extension. And do not forget, Brian Gutekunst in the 2021 draft, the first-round pick, cornerback, Eric Stokes, what a defense, Rowdy. Woo-hoo! A lot of Georgia players there, too, especially as of late. Georgia, Georgia. Rowdy, how about that defense? This Packers defense, we're not wrong to say a potential top five, correct? And maybe better? Well, I mean, with how they were playing at the end of the year, I mean, recency bias, they shut down San Francisco and allowed them to hardly score any points in a big playoff game. Unfortunately, the offense and the special teams really couldn't get going, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, I feel like I I personally think we're getting a little You don't want to get your hopes too up. A little out over our skis here just because I feel like there's a lot of question marks. Oh, totally. Because I mean, rookies, you know, I, I know that Kenny Clark is going to be good. Beast. I know that Dean Lowry will be okay. <laughs> okay, what about all right? The name, a couple of names I just brought up. Devondre Campbell was a street free well, agent. That, that's where I was going. If you look at the defensive line, I know Kenny Clark will be good. I know Dean Lowry will be okay. <laughs> I know that Reed should be okay. Reader, but then I look at Wyatt, and on paper he should be pretty good. Yeah, but we've never seen him play an NFL snap. He's a rook. Have no idea. Tradero Slayton should be a solid depth. A player that showed flashes that hopefully you, you hope can build. Then you look at the uh, the outside linebackers. I would imagine that Gary continues to get better. And I would imagine that Preston Smith can be at least relatively close to what he was mm-hmm. since he's in the prime of his career. By the way, Preston Smith tweeting out yesterday, defense wins what? Championships. Bingo. Now they did lose the Darius Smith, so they lost a little bit of depth. But they uh, they still have Jonathan Garvin. He's a guy that uh, showed flashes at times. Was a good special teamer. Uh, Ramsey, Randy Ramsey was a guy that he played a little bit and kind of like Garvin showed flashes here and there. Then he was hurt, mm-hmm. missed most of the season. But then remember they drafted what is it, Ineg Inegbari? Yeah, something like I, that. I, I always struggle with his name. The kid yeah. out of South Carolina. Yeah. That. On paper, it looks like a steal because he was a, a draft grade of second or third round. They got him in the fifth round. Now, again, we haven't seen him play a snap. If he can come in and be at least like a solid number three and you still have Garvin and Ramsey that can show flashes here yep. and there, like that's solid. But then you look at inside linebacker. Devondre Campbell was, is he a one-hit wonder? 
Russell he Douglas, came, is he, he a one-hit wonder? He came in and was really, really good for one year, but when he was in Atlanta, when he was other places, you would say he was average at best, correct? Yes. Now, the Green Bay and Devondre Campbell claim that it's because he was playing out of scheme in, in, for teams that didn't necessarily fit what he was best at doing. So, I mean, that's still a question mark to me. Quay Walker, we've never seen him play. In the NFL on paper, just like uh, Wyatt, it looks good, but we've never actually seen him play. There are people that uh, in the first round that get drafted that are bust for a reason. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be bust, but I'm saying I can't say that. Oh, my God, he's so great. We've we literally never saw him play safety position. We know Amos is going to be good. We know Savage will be serviceable. And then at the corner, we know that Jair, when healthy, is going to be really good. We know that Stokes was pretty decent as a number two corner. But Rasul Douglas, yeah, he had some seasons here and there where he showed flashes with the Eagles when he was really young. But he was kind of like forgotten. He was kind of thrown away by multiple teams. Is he going to duplicate the same type of season he did last season? I, I still think he's going to be better than what sometimes he's still going to be better in my opinion than like the, the Kevin Kings of the world. Who and by some, the way, still could be a Packer. Yeah. And, and some of the Packer uh, secondary corners that they've had over the years, because it's been pretty thin there. Yeah. And as Packer fans, we know that, but still, do we really think he can be as good as he was last year? I mean, there's still some question marks, but don't get me wrong. If, the, if those guys play up to their abilities, like if everything flips uh to the Packers side and all of a sudden you have like four or five defensive linemen that are pretty solid yep you have multiple inside linebackers that are pretty good you have three to four rotational outside linebackers you have the the secondary that they currently have yeah if all of those come up roses this could be a top five defense now I'm here's what I like to do every but it's, year. it's a could be I always get my hopes up <laughs> I have, Rowdy's the one that tries to, you know, keeps me level a little bit. I get my hopes sky high, and then just to be disappointed at the end, where Rowdy's like, "See, I told you." Well, so. how pissed would you be if you? Well, have, there's a lot of what ifs on this team, right? If you if you look at it on paper right now, and you have all these people saying, "Oh, the Packers could be a top five defense." Hell, this could be the best defense. But we've never seen some of those guys play. Some of those guys, you would say, are one hit wonders at this point. They need to they need to come back and duplicate what they did the year before, and say the Packers. Say, say like, um, we'll say Devondre Campbell takes a little step back and we'll say that Rasul Douglas is still pretty good, but say they didn't hit on anything on the outside linebackers. So it's just Gary and Smith and then say Devondre, uh, we'll say Wyatt is okay. And like, you're sitting there going, well, the defense is pretty good, but they're like 12th. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd feel a I'd little feel, underwhelmed and I be would. like, oh, I thought this would be like the best defense in the league. But if you would think back to years past, you would take 12 in a heartbeat. Not Aaron, well, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but you'd take the 12th ranked defense. Correct. You'd so, be all over it. You'd be like, hell yeah, dude. So I don't think this is going to be a bad defense by any means. But I think when, when I mean getting out over our skis, talking about this being a well, you know best defense in the, in, the, in the NFL or maybe even a top five. I'm ready to plan about the top five defense. I almost want to say they're going to be the best defense in the league. Roddy's like, whoa, easy fellow. Easy. I've I've seen some of this stuff before. <laughs> yeah, we uh I have not yet become jaded. Well, you're a would you say you're a jaded Wisconsin fan, right? Ebo, I've seen some schnip. <laughs> I've seen some ish. I've seen a lot of ish too, Rowdy, but I still get my hopes up just to be hurt again. Let's go to the phones. Line one, good morning. Who's this? Good morning. Oh, hey, Nathan. The pride of Shano. What's going on? There's a reason why Rowdy doesn't get the nut kick continuum. He doesn't put his goodies out there like I do? No, but I mean, I get it, Evo. I get why you got to have your high hopes up. I mean, when you walk and you're standing at the altar and your old lady comes down and looks like yours, you feel like everybody should win the Super Bowl every day. <laughs> All right, I get it. I hit the lottery, yes. Yeah, Actually, I I, you know what? I kind of take offense to that. I think she hit the lottery. I am, I am the prize possession. Me. Well, I mean, see, and, and it's, it's your positivity and your confidence that's got it there it's for me. you. It's me. She outkicked her coverage, not me. Well, no, I I'm hope she's kidding. not listening. No, she's, I, I know for a fact she's at work right now, so we're good. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, to go with what some of the stuff that Rowdy was saying as far as, like, Campbell and, okay, was he out of the scheme? I mean, look, look at what Micah Hyde has done since he left Green Bay, and he got put where Buffalo put him. You know, sometimes you got a guy out of place, you know. 
what was that, Campman that we released because he just couldn't transition when we transitioned the defense? I believe it was Campman. There was, was uh, Micah H- Who was the other? It was Micah Hyde and someone else left that year, too. Um, God, who was it? He went to the Chargers. Casey Utah, Hayward. Yeah, Hayward. Yeah. Hayward. But I was talking about the lineman, linebacker. He's talking about yeah. Aaron Campman. Yeah. Number 74. You know, he, couldn't he couldn't transition when we switched defenses either. And you got some other guys that maybe the Packers coaching staff can get the most out of. You know, not every player can be like a Tom Brady and just walk on any coaching staff and be great. Tom Brady. You know, some guys, they need the right people behind them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that things look good. You know, when you got really good trenches, though, your cornerbacks don't have to be as great because the quarterbacks get a little bit rushed more. So, I mean, I put a lot more stock in our, our line and linebackers, you know, and you need to really you do that, and your cornerback should be all right. Yeah, your quarterback will be all right, I think. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of look at the numbers that you were throwing out there with the contract extensions, and all of those extensions probably equal out what Rodgers did, and that's why they don't have any offensive help because, <laughs> you know, we got to spread the well, ball. Just say, what's, the, here's the next topic I was, was going to get to, and you can start it off, Nathan. What is right now the Packers' Achilles heel? Like, what's their biggest weakness? You know, I... Is it wide receiver? I mean, you could say that, but... We've actually got a decent running game, so that kind of helps open up. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just going to elevate wide receivers. Yeah, because that would be my retort if someone said, well, Aaron Rodgers makes the wide receiver. We said this his entire career. He's back-to-back MVP four times in his career. You know what I mean? we got Tunyon coming back. People seem to not mention that. And I believe that Jones is one of the best receiving running backs in the league. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, people seem to kind of forget some of those facts when they start spitting out how bad the the receiving core is so you know i I would say the one slot in the receiver is probably what's going to hurt us the most i mean we'll see what happens oh rowdy something i wanted to get to just dip the toe right now you ever heard the song the wheels on the bus go round and round sure you have oh yeah how about this the badgers getting the bus their own bus the Wisconsin Badger basketball team. Oh, they already have a bus, but a different kind of bus. The Gus Bus. This dude is going to be a hell of a player for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, a second player in the class of 2023. Gus Yeldon announced late Tuesday morning on Instagram that he's committing to coach Greg Gard and the Wisconsin Badgers. This dude is a 6'9 forward. He is the 126th best player in the country. They also have him uh, number 16 at center, a four-star recruit, born in Maryland, lived in Appleton and Nebraska as a kid, and spent all, uh, his high school career at a number of different places, from California to, uh, to North Carolina to then the IMG Academy in Florida. The Gus Bus. Gus Yeldon Rowdy. This dude is a unit. If your nickname is The Bus, you're a biggins. You're thickums. I just died. This dude is huge. So one, I saw that they signed the recruit, and obviously you talked about it. He's a top 150 kid in the country. He's a four-star recruit. So this is a, a big pretty, bi- pretty big recruit for Wisconsin basketball. Uh-huh. But then when you see the picture of him, he's a little chunkier. Yeah, he's, he, he's standing in front of a giant school bus. And the Gus bus. The funniest thing ever is he put out a tweet that later got deleted, but it was like, Basically him saying he wants to be the next Frank Kaminsky. Yep. And it was a picture of Frank Kaminsky in his Badgers uniform when they would do like the meet and greets the with like little kids. Cover. And it was him and Frank Kaminsky as oh, that a little picture, kid. Yes. And he at that time is like up to Frank's like belly button. Yep. And he's still chunky then. Oh, yeah. But then the next picture is Frank's Sports Illustrated cover where he's in front of the tank. Mm-hmm. And then it's him, then it's this kid, this Gus Yeldon, in front of a school bus yeah. calling himself Gus the Bus. You got, I actually chuckled out loud. You got Frank the Tank, and now you have Gus the Bus. Dude, this guy, I was watching his videos. He's definitely calling a shot. He's, he's got a shot, too, dude. I'm telling you, he can shoot. The dude's got handles. He can get to the, obviously, 6'9", he can throw down. This guy, Rowdy, he's, got, he's a big, and when I say big, I mean big. He's not only tall, but he's thick. Rowdy, this dude can ball. That's why I say you look... Okay, if you didn't know anything about him and you saw the little spread with him and Frank when he was a kid, then Frank, then him, yeah. and then you saw like just him in a basketball garb, you'd go like, 
man, this guy's like a two star. But then again, like you said, you see some of his highlights. You're like, you're like Damn. man, he can actually shoot the basketball. He actually can dribble the ball a little bit rack. here. He can he can do some things. Maybe he is really a four star and a top one fifty player. But if you just look at the guy out of like nowhere and he's just in basketball clothes, you're like, that guy's good at basketball. Yeah, like, I feel like this guy could be like a lineman or something. <laughs> like just by looking at him. And yes, the king on Twitch says, if the bus is rocking, don't come a knocking. Well, the bus is a rocking, and he came knocking to Wisconsin. I'm excited for this guy. I'm I'm like legitimately excited. I don't really get too jazzed up about recruits a lot, but I mean I do, but I don't. I'm excited for this dude. His videos, he can ball. He he is a baller, and he's huge. I know that it's another year away, so he still has another year of high school basketball. Yeah. But I do I do like that he is a big guy. Like you look at the Wisconsin roster, they lost Chris Vote. You had Michael Moore's transfer out. Uh, Chris Hodges, what was redshirted? Mm-hmm. Like they they were a little thin. Uh, ben Carlson transferred. They're they're a little thin at the the uh, center and forward position. Yeah, and now you got Gus the bus coming. I in. I know that I know that they did bring in. Um, one guy from the transfer portal that does play forward, but still, yeah, they had a lot of guy's name again. they had a lot of forwards and centers leave in the last six months. Yeah, excited for the bus, man. Get on the bus or get left behind. Talking about the Bucks a little, a little bit there. So he was talking about we got to find someone. They got to find someone that's not the likes of like a, I know your personal favorite George Hill, or a Grayson Allen, or even a. Madison legend that is Wesley Matthews. Rowdy, Damian Lillard. Dame time. Dame Lillard was asked on Twitter, some random fan a couple days ago asked him, if you ever want to pick a player that would help you get into the playoffs and the finals, a championship run, who would it be? Only in present time. Dame Lillard, Lillard, excuse me, Damian Lillard picked one Greek freak, Giannis Adendokounmpo. Could you see Dame time? Yeah, and then there was a lot of people stirred up on Twitter and and (laughs) the internet talking about how, oh, Damian Lillard wants to come to the Bucs. Damian Lillard's going to sign with the Bucs. Here's the deal. (laughs) Here's the deal. (laughs) They don't have any cap space. (laughs) They're they're screwed. (laughs) And unless you want to part ways with Middleton or you want to part ways with Drew Holiday, that ain't going to happen. Well, I think you would want to, if you were GM, would you part ways with Chris Middleton? Maybe. And then we tell Mike <laughs> Boonholz on a year to year basis. <laughs> no two year, only one way, only well, one year. Contracts. I mean, you look at, you look at what maybe the Milwaukee Bucks have coming back next year. Obviously you have your big three. It's Giannis, it's Middleton, it's, it's holiday. Lopez is on the final year of his deal. He'll be like what? 34, 35 years old. Maybe. Yeah. Grayson Allen. They just signed him to a two year extension. So he's got two years left. And then outside of that, you have a lot of question marks because you have, well, Jordan Noir, if you want him back, he's a restricted free agent. They could get him back for cheap if they wanted. He probably comes back. They have Mamu Kalashvili who will be on his, his rookie deal, so he'll be back. But then you, then you have the question marks. Well, I forgot George Hill. George Hill will be back <laughs> for $4 million. But then Thanasis has a player op, uh, option. We know he'll be back. Thanasis. He's not turning down a player option. But the, the really big question marks are, does Pat Connaughton pick up his player option? And does Bobby Portis pick up his player hey, option? Bobby. Well, they love Bobby Portis. Because Pat Connaughton's only going to be making on that option $5.7 million. You would imagine with how he's played the last couple of years, he could get a bigger uh, deal than that out on the open market. Same thing with Bobby Portis. He's making a little over four and a half million with that option. You got to imagine he would command a lot more money than that on the open market. But you are losing guys like the Wesley Matthews of the world who did come in and shoot the ball relatively well outside of the Celtics series for yep. you. Uh, Javon Carter is also a free agent. So, there, I mean, there still is some pieces that they have to put together, but you have your big three under contract for at least two more years. The only way Damian Lillard is going to be shipped into Milwaukee is if Chris Middleton is shipped out. And Giannis loves Chris Middleton. Like that's his, that's his, they're like, buddy, they're big. Giannis bucks. also loved Jason Kidd. He, and Giannis did cry. When, and look at Kidd now. He's in the, I mean, look at, he's in the Western Conference Finals. Bucks are at home. Middleton, though, gets him in the Eastern Conference Finals. So I guess there's that. 
Yep, he did love his some J Kid. So I don't are, think Dame time. What do you coming. think the odds are that uh, Damian Lillard will be a Milwaukee Buck? Well, I always think if there's a will, there's a way, but I don't think uh, the will is much there from some of the brass. And I will say this. If Danny Davis, if I gave Danny Davis a 2% shot at making the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> I'll give Damian Lillard being a buck 5%. Oh, okay. I'll take it. That's better than 2%. Sorry, Danny Davis. But Dame, okay. Dame time. Rob Reichel, when you hear the Led Zeppelin playing. Now, this is the lemon song. Robbie ain't no lemon, though. No, no. He's a little sour, though, but he is also sweet. Hey, Robbie. Good morning, boys. Forbes.com, Conley Media, Rob Reichel, no stranger to a hot take on the Green Bay Packers. What's up, Rob? I want to say the first line in that song is I should have quit you a long, long time ago, which is exactly the opposite of, of, of how we operate this show, right? You and I, we're going to be together for a long time. There's no quitting here. Now, Rob, don't take us the wrong way, but this comes from the movie Brokeback Mountain, but there's a line that goes, I can't quit you, and Rob, I can't quit you, buddy. <laughs> Just don't... Well, probably a bad movie reference. Probably a bad movie reference. I feel I feel the same way. That's uh, it's, it's man love. That's but, one where he might want to left the title out and said, "There's a movie where." <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. right. Well, Rob, I, listen. I, I'm, I never lie. If anything, I'm not a liar, Rob. I didn't want to lie. What movie I was calling? Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's just try this again. Rob Reichel joining us right now. Rob, there's a movie quote. I can't quit you. <laughs> hey, Robbie. All right, so speaking of not quit, well, what a way to start this segment. Speaking of can't quitting, Jair Alexander ain't quitting on getting that money, baby. The highest paid defensive back in the NFL with that extension for Jair. What does this mean for this Packers uh, defense? And, Robbie, how good is this Packers defense going to be coming up? Well, we've talked about it since the draft, right? I mean, when they invested the first, you know, two picks of the draft, their two first rounders on, on that side of the ball, and we, we knew Alexander would be back. It wasn't a matter of him not playing this year, but this, this is obviously good news for Green Bay that it locks them up. I think through twenty twenty six is, I mean, uh, I, again, Evil, this this is going to be the tricky part of the twenty twenty two season. Their best players are on the defensive side of the ball. Their best players on offense, aside from the quarterback, are the two running backs and, you know, three or four of those offensive linemen. So can the head coach and his entire staff and Tom Clemens, who's, you know, probably now in charge largely of, you know, uh, keep, keeping Aaron Rodgers in line, can they all convince the quarterback that the best way to win football games is with a top-five defense, a top-five running game, and maybe the number 20 ranked passing game or whatever it's going to be uh, in the league. Because, I mean, that, that depth chart, we, we know it well, guys, is, is pretty thin. It's extremely thin at, at wide receiver. And, and I know this, this Alexander deal, Ebo, is, is going to give them a little bit of flexibility and room to, to go out and add a player if they want to. But, my God, right now, when, when you examine what's out there on May 19th, especially after Jarvis Landry, uh, you know, let, left the group of, of, of street free agents here in the, in the past week, Evo, uh, that, that group is remarkably thin. So, um, you know, specifically to Alexander, it's great news for Green Bay. You lock up one of the elite corners for the, for the next four or five years. You, you get some salary cap flexibility and some room this year. The numbers, you know, when you look down the line, guys, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's big money and it's, it's big salary cap hits that, you know he's gonna take twenty million next year, then twenty two, then twenty four, then twenty six. I mean that that number gets really high, and 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 Evo, it, it should be a concern. I think you know fans don't look at this and they don't care. Everyone's in the in the, in the win now mentality, but yeah. but they've got five players next year, Evo, that they've committed one hundred and twenty five million dollars to against the salary cap. That'll that'll wind up being about about half the cap. It's it, it's Rogers, it's Alexander. Um, it's Aaron Jones, it's, it's Kenny Clark, and it's Bakhtiari. I think Bakhtiari's almost 30, Evo, and, <laughs> and Rodgers is in the 30s, and, and Jones and Alexander and, and Clark are in the lower 20s. But you add it up, Evo, it's $125 million to five guys that in all likelihood are going to be on the roster uh, in 2023, and now you start talking about that's half your salary cap. But I, I know that's a year away. 
and 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 I know fans don't care about that right now, but but the, those those numbers are going to be concerning, Evo, because that there's not another team in the league that has committed that amount of money uh, to to their top five mm. players for next season. It's it's hard to build a roster mm. around that. In the short term, Evo, this Alexander deal is really good news. It took him down six million, uh, you know, uh, um, in, in terms of his salary cap hit number in in 2022. But long term, Evo, that they're going to have some real work to do again against the cap. Yeah, Robbie, like you said, with uh, all those players that are commanding over $20 million next year against the cap, the one little positive for Packer fans, it is projected that the salary cap will increase by close to $17 million. <laughs> But again, they're going to have to do a lot of what they did this last offseason to get under the cap and to continue to have a, a competitive roster. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean... Uh, there's obviously some things they can do, some restructuring, and, and we've seen that. I mean, they've got other guys in there that we didn't even mention. Nelly, like, I think Preston Smith's 13 next year, and Adrian Amos is 8, and, you know, Rashawn Gary is 11. He'll get a new deal. Okay. Preston Smith could be gone. I mean, things like that. They'll they'll, they'll adjust and tinker and toy, and, and they'll get down to the number they need to get down to. But right away, it it does hinder you. And, and it puts your back against the wall when you've got five guys that are going to take up roughly half of the cap, which is, which is a fair estimate at this point in time. I would guess it's going to be 260 uh, in 2023, somewhere in that neighborhood. Nelly, it's I think it's 240-ish today, and it'll go up like you said about 20. Um, you know, and, and and they've got 125 committed to to five guys. And now, you know, when the when the fans in March scream and yell and and cry and complain that that everybody else like Jacksonville <laughs> under the sun is is signing all these free agents and uh, and Green Bay is sitting there quietly watching, you know, watching this all unfold. Well, you know why? It's because Aaron Rodgers is, is $32 million against the cap next year. Bakhtiari is 29. These other guys are all in the 20s, and there's there's just no money to go and spend. So it, it does make it tough for you, Evo and, and, and Nelly, to, to go and improve your football team that way. I think it's safe to say, Rob, that they're all in for the next two to three years, and they're going to continue to do this. And basically, as Packer fans, we should just get prepared for in three to four years when this all ends – that unless they find a top 12 quarterback, we're going to have a few years of some really lean Packers. Really lean, Rob. Hey, Rob, I want to I want to talk some positivity, though, really quick. So uh, Rowdy tried to pull me back. Um, I always get my hopes up every year. You know this about me. Hope springs eternal for me, Robbie. I'm, you know, I was saying top five defense coming up for the Packers with everything. Am I wrong in thinking top five defense, or we still need to see it on the field? Well, we still need to see him do it. I mean, let, 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 let's be clear. Can I get you're, my hopes up? Can I get it. my hopes up? No, I, I, I think it's, a, I think it's an, an extremely fair expectation. I mean, there, I, I think it was Devontae Wyatt after the draft, guys, you know, said we should be the number one defense in the, in the league. And, yes, and, yes. And, and, again, I don't think that's entirely unrealistic. Yes. I, I don't see a better group of corners um, across the league than, than Green Bay has right now with – you know, with, with Douglas and Alexander and Stokes, the safeties are extremely solid. Um, you, you guys know how good those outside linebackers are. They both, you know, approached double-digit sacks uh, last year. I think Rashawn Gary could push 15 this year, and, and he's going to be an all-pro player. They, you know, if, if uh, Quay Walker picks things up inside guys quickly, um, they haven't had a pair of inside linebackers as good as Walker and Campbell in uh, more than a decade. I mean, we're, we're, we're probably going to have to go back 20-plus years, guys. Yeah, you don't have to find a group better than that. And and, and year after year, we, we talk about how the weak links are, are up front where Kenny Clark just doesn't have enough help. Well, Dean Lowry's coming off the best year of, of, his, of his career. Very quietly, guys, they added Jerron Reed in, in free agency, who's a guy who I really think is going to give him help, 30, 35 snaps a game. And, and then, you know, they, they probably haven't had a rush end, you know, in the three-technique spot like Devontae Wyatt. In, in, in the better part of a decade, two guys, where now Kenny Clark's got his, got his main guy and his helper up front. Guys, you think when it's third and 11, and they, and they can line up inside with, with Clark and Wyatt and then come off the edges with Gary and Smith and have that collection of, of defensive backs roaming around, uh, uh, guys, that they should be in the top five in terms of takeaways when, when this is all said and done. It's, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's the greatest collection of talent, guys, they've had on the defensive side of the ball since they won the Super Bowl in 2010. Um, so, Evo, 
I, I won't go dark cloud on you and talk about the wide receivers and how they no, have well, to overcome that. Uh, <laughs> well, but, Rob, that was my next question, actually. I said, what's the Packers' Achilles heel, and is it indeed just the wide receiver position? It is. I mean, when, when you break, I mean, it, it, it clearly but it is. It clearly is. It clearly is. Well, it, it clearly is. And then, but and doesn't then Aaron Rodgers make the wide receiver? Obviously, Evo too. You know, the, the the second thing we haven't talked about this nearly as much this off season is, is the special teams have to get fixed. Oh, I mean, oh, oh, year, yes, year yes. after year after year after year, they they continue to rank thirty second or in the thirties, or certainly in the bottom four of of the league, which has really been the case, guys, since about oh five oh six. Um, it's it's just been a dreadful unit. I I think Mike McCarthy's group Evo in 07 was top ten, and that's the last time they've they've sniffed the top ten. They've had a couple times in the middle, but the overwhelming majority of the time they're in the bottom three or four, and they were 32nd again last year. Did they get enough help in the draft? Um, you know, can, can a change in special teams coordinator take them from 32nd to 18th? If, if that happens, Evo. Then, then that's a that's a hell of a hire, and and it's a hell of a jump. They just need that group not to blow football games like like we all saw, uh, you know, in the NF- NFC divisional playoff game. But I, I would say without question, um, they they have extreme, you know, uh, supreme talent on the defensive side of the ball at running back. They're above average on the offensive line. The quarterback's obviously a two time MVP, but that that's a bottom three to five wide receiver group, Ebo, and until proven otherwise. You know that that that's still the worst special teams unit in football. Yeah. You know, can 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 Basashia help fix that? Can can these can these picks in the draft uh, uh, adjust and help and, and clean that up? Uh, you, you would hope so as as, as a Packer fan, but they've still got to go prove it. Uh, Evo, uh, those those two areas right now on paper are what's holding this team back from you know catching the Rams, uh, sure. catching Tampa Bay, staying ahead of of the Cowboys and the Cardinals, catching San Francisco, things like that. Rob Reichel joining us right now. Find his work, Forbes.com, Conley Media, and the great follow on Twitter at Rob Reichel. Hey, Robbie, so uh, I've been seeing a, a couple things here on Adam Stenovich took to the podium, and we talked about it a little bit yesterday, the new Packers OC. What do you think when he says that he wants the offense to be, what was it, Rowdy, uh, speed and physicality? Is that is that possible with what we have going on here? Speed and physicality? Isn't that the NFL? Yeah, I, I would say that's the NFL as a whole, and 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 Stenovich w- was really good at the podium on on Tuesday. Yeah. He's 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 a fun guy to listen to and and talk, and he's obviously got got big shoes to fill. You know, uh, you know, stepping up uh, in, into that OC job right now. That that's the other thing we haven't talked about a whole lot this offseason, Evo. It's just all the changes on the coaching staff. Um, there's there's a lot of pressure at a lot of spots. I mean, when when you go back and you look at the initial coaching staff that Matt Lafleur put together and where some of these guys have ended up since then, you know, he, he did a really nice job with, with some of those hires and a lot of those guys did terrific work in, in their roles, Evo. But, you know, I, 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 I get it that, that, that that's the kind of football Stenovich wants to play. Um, they, there, there's no question they addressed the speed issue, I think, in the draft. They got some guys who, who, who can really fly. I mean, they got, you know, they got one of the fastest wide receivers in the draft in Watson. Both those first round guys on uh, on defense, you know, both both Wyatt and Walker guys ran as well as anybody did at, at, at their positional group. Now, specifically the offensive side of the ball, you know, back to Stenovich, is there enough speed on there to, to stretch the field? Watson's going to be the guy they'll ask to, to clearly stretch the field. I don't think a lot of those other guys necessarily uh, Evo are, are, are Blazers that that that, that are going to play. Sammy Watkins certainly doesn't run like he did when when he first came into the league. You know, we'll see how many snaps a guy like Romeo Dubs gets, and you know, is, is he the four or anything like that? Cobb doesn't run well um, at, at this point in his career. Obviously, we don't know enough about Tunyon coming off that knee. If, if it's not him at that position, uh, Evo, you know, the speed at that spot isn't very good with uh, Deguar and. And, and Mercedes yeah. Lewis, who's, who's 38, I think, today. I mean, yeah, it is his birthday old, today. Good memory, Rob. He's an old man, but but but, but there's no doubt, Evo. They, they they should be extremely physical. I mean, you know, it'll it'll start with that that group up front. It'll say it'll start with you know uh, a Derrick Henry clone at, at running back with yeah. you know with with what they have there with AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones obviously gives them some speed, but um, you know, Evo. At the end of the day, they're they're going to have to win football games in a far different manner than 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 they're just used to accustomed. They're going to. You know, and, and we're used to seeing that they're going to have to win with defense and and maybe win some twenty to seventeen games instead of winning games. 
you know, 35, 28 and, and things like that, because the defense and the running game are clearly the strength of this offense. And until proven otherwise, you know, they've, they've got some major holes and major flaws and major questions at wide receiver. God, I can't wait for the season though, Rob. Oh, I yeah. just, well, OTA start on Monday, right? Like, so, I mean, we're, yeah, I mean, I mean, we know this may make it slow, right? The, the NFL dominates our lives. Uh, I would say 11 months of the season. May is one of the slower ones, though, uh, without question. The NFL has done such a great job, guys, of of kind of taking over and and dominating uh, almost on a 12-month window, right? They are king. You you talk when training camps open in late July until early to mid-February when the Super Bowl ends now. Um, you know, you, you've got all the games, but then, you know, the, the NFL draft takes over in, in, in April, March is all free agency. They, you know, they, they turn the schedule release into a, a two week deal. You've got OTAs and mini camps through, through uh, late May and, and June. I mean, the, 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 this is probably the slowest stretch of the year Evo and, and fans start to, I, I think get, uh, you know, extremely anxious for, for the season to start, especially when you, you know, when you lose teams like the bucks around here and, and things, and things like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you already start turning the head and, and looking at football. We, we've got a couple of months guys, but it, but it, you know, it is creeping up on us. So Rob, before I let you go, when you brought up uh, the bucks and I, you know, completely different, <laughs> not on the Packers, not on the Packers or anything, but Robbie, I know you're a diehard Wisconsin basketball fan. We were just talking about before you were on, about their new recruit, the Gus Bus, coming in. This guy's like a just six nine behemoth. But Rob, <laughs> Grayson Allen, I I welcome him with open arms after his uh, what he did in the playoffs against the Bulls, and now I'm back to hating him again, um, respectfully hating when it comes to his time with Duke and what happened, you know, in the playoffs. It wasn't just his fault. But the Bucks now ousted of the playoffs. What does Rob Reichel have to say about the run that wasn't to repeat as champions for the Milwaukee Bucks and your buddy Grayson Allen? Yeah, I mean, Grayson looked like a 12-year-old boy in those games, didn't he? It was, it, he, he was just terrified, it, it felt like. I mean, he, he, he was a completely different player in that Bulls series, right, when when the stakes weren't quite as high. And, um, man, but he absolutely vanished the last, you know, that, that really that whole Celtics. I think he had 31 points, guys, in seven games. Uh, against the Celtics, and I, I don't know the number, but he had to, he couldn't have shot better than twenty five percent from the floor. I mean, he 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 was absolutely dreadful. Um, they, 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 at the end of the day, they couldn't overcome the Chris Middleton loss. Yeah, um, and and I think they probably win that series. But 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 don't forget, guys, last year on the on the way to their title, you know that they, they saw they saw Brooklyn with, with, without Kyrie and Harden was all beat up and. Um, and had that not been the case, they probably don't get by the Nets on the on the way to their title. So you've got to overcome these things. I thought they had enough talent to to surpass Boston, um, but um, man, when we start asking those role players, guys like like Matthews who's, who's washed up and shot, Grayson Allen, uh, George Hill who should have never been on that roster to begin with, guys. I mean, just a just a dreadful basketball player at this stage of his career and ask him to, you know asking all those guys to play double or triple the minutes they should have after the Middleton loss it, it was just it was just too much on Giannis and Holiday and will they be back and they, they, they've, they've got to find three more role players I would say guys and, and replace the Matthews the Hill the Allen of the world yeah. if they're going to make a run here because some of these teams around the league are going to be a lot better next year. Man, Rob, you surprised me every single time you come on these airwaves. Could have swore you were a huge George Hill guy. Love this character. <laughs> yeah, Rob's got a George Hill jersey next to his Craig Council jersey as well, you know? Yeah, I'm a big fan of guys that get leagues shut down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Robbie, we love you, my man. And with that, I won't have any bizarre movie references. This is just straight up Led Zeppelin's All My Love for you, Robbie. We love you, brother. All right, boys. Talk next week. There he is, Rob Reichel, Conley Media, Forbes.com. Follow him on Twitter, Rob Reichel.